Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And here we are back with you for episode 250. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that <laughs> thing. Uh, here we are back with you for this uh, gospel discussion leading up to Sunday, September 4th for Proper 18 in Year C. Continuing into our second uh, half of ordinary time here, as we get really into the fall now, summer, well, I guess depending on where you live, summer is mostly over. In San Diego, it's going to be hot now for another two months. The two months. hottest months two of hottest the year, months, my, September my opinion. And October. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's unrelenting. Uh, so welcome back, everybody. We're so happy to have you back with us. And uh, we're excited to talk about this gospel today, just Charlotte and I today. And so first, before we get into it, like we always do, we need to check in about where we saw God this past week. And when I say we, I mean you. I know. So Charlotte, where'd you see God? Well, and I'm actually going to, I'm going to do a global God sighting, Mm. I think. Worldwide. I I mean, God is everywhere. But I was thinking about, so as you all know, one of my ministry contexts is that I'm the chaplain at Christ Church Day School, a small Episcopal school in Coronado, California beloved to my heart Mm -hmm. Um, and for the last several weeks it is well actually it's been all summer but I'm going to highlight the last several weeks we've been preparing for the return of children so much like many people think that church only happens on Sunday many people also think that school only happens during the school year Mm -hmm. and the reality is that there are so many things that have to happen over the course of a summer to prepare for the children to come back to school in the fall Um, and that can be teachers dreaming up new lesson plans and reading new books and doing personal development um, for sure it also is things like having windows cleaned and carpets cleaned and ordering supplies and all of those logistical things And I was thinking about let the little children come to me and how that applies to people that work with children in every context and in every space. And that the deep love that I see that goes into those preparations, um, because it is truly a labor of love, each of those things. No one has worked harder in this last two and a half months than Javier R. Sexton. Mm Um, In fact, he's in my daily prayers because he is an amazing human being. No one has worked harder in the last two months than Javier. Uh And that is his own labor and the coordination of labor and doing it with a gentle spirit and a smile on his face and a jovial laugh. Uh And I just see God moving through all of that. And that reminder of letting the children come, creating a space in which children can create can connect to God whether that be at church or at school or at the park or in family relationships Mm -hmm. is as much about the preparatory acts as the things that happen in the time frame that you're intending it is in all of the work that is done that conscious work that conscious choice to create a sacred space for children to be and I've seen God moving in that and I'm mindful of the fact that that's not just happening at Christ Church Day School but in schools throughout our state and our country and around the world mm-hmm. um, that that is actually a you in a in a world that can often seem divided that there is unification in that mm-hmm. and the work that it takes mm-hmm. to yeah create space for people yeah mm-hmm. all right well there you go god moving in the preparation mm-hmm. of that 
which is kind of what Jesus is talking about in the gospel today. <gasps> oh, oh, my gosh. Relax. All right. Well, we're going to move into our gospel discussion. Thank you, Charlotte, for that, for sharing. Uh, and we would always love to hear from you if you would like to share with us uh, any place you saw God uh, moving in your life or ministry context this week. We'd also love to hear more about your ministry context. Where are you? What are you doing? Who are you? Why are you listening? Where do you work when you listen? What do you? Are you at the grocery store? The gym. The gym? Uh, what's your ministry context in the world? Uh, we'd also love to hear any of your questions or stories or, or uh, comments from your week of faith discussion and reflection. You can always email us. You can call us and leave a voicemail. You can contact us through the website where you can also find all of those faith to go resources every week. And you can get in touch with us on Instagram or follow us on Instagram at faith to go. You can find all of those ways of getting in touch with us listed in the description for this podcast episode. And now we're going to get into our gospel discussion. So Again, proper 18 in year C for this upcoming Sunday, September 4th. The gospel reading is Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 33. Charlotte's going to read it. I'll have some light context, and then we'll have our points. Now large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost, to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot, then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you will not give up all your possessions. Mm, everything. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here we are in Luke chapter 14. So two weeks ago, we were in chapter 13 and just heard that one story from the middle of chapter 13. And now we're again for the second week in a row in chapter 14. Last week, we heard um, the parable the you know, Jesus teaching about when you invite someone to a wedding banquet and a parable about a wedding banquet and like how to how to be when you're inviting people to like a luncheon or a dinner or a party and like. We have a number of, well, I think we can talk about this more in the points, but like the context of this is interesting because it's a lot of stuff leading up to this, which seems really intense mm -hmm. of like Jesus doing like a healing at the beginning of 14 and then talking about how to take care of other people and how you like place, like give other people the seat of, you know, honor instead of taking it yourself and who to invite when you're like when you're feeding people, it's like, don't just invite your friends, like invite everyone that needs the food, you know? And so, and then like he has, and then the thing that's in between last week and this week, um, is another parable about a great feast and banquet and like people being invited and not responding to the invitation, which kind of gets kind of intense as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, <laughs> we have, we have these really like straightforward, strong words from Jesus, but they're not happening in a vacuum. They're like, we've been hearing the lead up to this kind of intensity from Jesus for the last six weeks or so, like all the way starting in chapter 12, 13, and now into 14. So like, if you think about the whole arc of the last 
of if you think about really the arc of this whole time since he left Galilee and like moving through these different places in between Galilee and Jerusalem, being in all these little towns and villages and visiting synagogues and like healing people on the Sabbath and like there's just been this this is it kind of makes sense that he's gotten to this place of like this kind of ultimate place of like pushing, hey, this is actually what this all now means. Everything I just said, this is the culmination of all that stuff. Like w this is what it really costs to do this thing that I've been talking about since we left Galilee, you know, in all these different places. So that's where we are. We're right in the middle of, uh, we're really towards the end of chapter 14. There's just a few verses left after this and then into 15 and still a while before we get to Jerusalem. So we've just got more of this, but a lot more parables coming up. A lot of teaching that's going to, there's like kind of a, a big chunk of teaching that's going to happen in the next couple chapters. So that's where we are with Jesus today. And Charlotte has the first point. I love that. Where we are with Jesus. <laughs> Alternate title for the podcast. Um, all right. But that said, I was thinking about where we are at the end of this section that was selected for us in the lectionary which is when Jesus decides to put things in a way that we can understand it. I love it when Jesus does that. And he instead talks about the way in which we prepare, both with this conversation about building a tower and then the secondary one about the cost of a battle. And I was thinking about preparations specifically because Jesus isn't saying that you shouldn't build the tower or that you shouldn't wage the war, or that you shouldn't be a disciple. But instead, the reality of what you need to do in order to do those things. And I think that to a certain extent, that we understand the preparations that happen for building a tower, or in our context, building a home. Mm -hmm. um, and the Certainly we understand the preparations that it takes probably to do our jobs, most of us, the things that we need to do in order to make faith to go each and every week. Um, but that something about following Christ is more of an ephemeral idea, more of a vagueness, right? And that it's very easy, even today, 2,000 years later, to say, I'm a, I follow Christ, I, I'm a disciple, I follow Jesus without really considering what it means to do that, about the expectations of it and the things that are required of us in order to do it. And maybe specifically in this context, because this is the beginning um, of everything, Jesus is saying, is naming specifically all of the things that are required of people in order to be a follower. And I'm thinking about children, because that's always what I'm thinking, right? Um, but like when you're taking young people on a mission trip, not that I ever do it, when you're taking young people on a mission trip and you give them the guidelines and expectations for going on this mission trip, I can assure you that no matter how many rules and expectations that you have laid out for it, um, that there are still people who may have put a pack of gum in their pockets or candy bars in their backpack, um, not seeing the harm in that. And the harm in that instance is a tent full of ants. <laughs> um, <laughs> truthfully. Yeah. Um, but that in that same way, what Jesus is saying 
to us is you can't have any secrets in your pocket, right? Like you cannot be holding on to these extra pieces of what you consider to be important and thinking that there isn't anything about them that is going to harm this situation, right? That you are thinking that that your need, this small need, because of course you're not thinking of it as some big or shattering thing that's going to hurt or harm anybody else, um, is okay, that you can just keep it in your pocket and, and it's not going to impact anything else. And what Jesus is saying is that all of those things impact everything, that the things that we choose to keep secret and hold in pockets and keep us, they actually keep us not just separate from God or separate from being our work and being a disciple and follower of Jesus, but that they may actually cause harm to others. Um, because when we do that, that we are naming that something is more important than following um, and that maybe we don't realize that because it's just a small little thing that we've kept in a secret part compartment. Um, but that reality, there is a much larger impact of that choice. And that's helpful because this language from Jesus at the beginning is hard yeah. Um I, you and I had a whole conversation about, especially if you are a parent, how the idea of your children hating you is awful. Yeah. Um, not that preteens don't say that, but it's, it's awful to think about like this separation of this requirement from Jesus of like, if you don't hate your mother and father, you can't be a disciple. Well, what does that mean? Because like, I don't want my children to hate me and I want them to be, to follow Jesus, right? Like I have raised my family um, with this is our core belief and our core values. And yet I don't want them to hate me. Mm-hmm. And I think that instead, perhaps it is a realization for me that it isn't really about that, that it's this sep- that you have to be willing to separate from everything, everything. You cannot hide anything separately in your pocket and think that it doesn't matter and that it will not cause harm, that your one true thing, that your one, your core piece of what it means to follow and to be a disciple has to be greater that you are willing to set all of these other things aside and that your preparation you have to prepare to do this because you have to understand the cost yeah it's like a it's like jesus's invitation here isn't to like a hateful life but to a like a genuine, honest, a hundred percent honest self-evaluation, mm-hmm. you know, of your priorities and motivations. You know, mm-hmm. he's saying like, he's saying if you aren't willing to sit down, the preparation thing is like, yeah, if you aren't willing to sit down and be a hundred percent honest about why you're doing this, then you're probably going to hurt somebody along the way mm-hmm. because like you can't be partially revolutionary and then partially like self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. Because all of that energy is going to still be directed towards yourself and you're going to hurt people, you know, like we've it, it's like we've talked about this before. But just like that, I the idea that like you can't go you can't like go do to go and try to do do like radical like justice or justice work and do it in like a in like a angry self-centered way mm-hmm. really like re um and reinforces the problems that you think you're trying to to um, break down, you know, think you're trying to change. And so you end up not really changing any, anything but reinforcing the status quo. And so it's like it is this. It, and so he, he gives these two examples of like destructive and wasteful ends. You know, you've wasted all your resources. 
building a house that you can't live in and that no, and now no one can live in and no one has those resources anymore, <laughs> you know, or you like you, you go to war and are utterly decimated because you couldn't be honest with yourself about what you were capable of doing, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like, it really is just about, like you're saying, being honest with, with, with why you're doing what you're doing and what you're willing to give up. And if it's not everything, then you shouldn't do it yet. Yeah. What, what are the honest expectations? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think something you got to towards the end is really like a, the kind of the, the lead into my point, because it's to me, it is this like thinking about like love and hate here. Thinking about hating things, I think, is is maybe like a, a, a um, it's maybe like the constraints of our language around this word, which I think is hard because I don't know if Jesus meant so much like if you don't if you don't do the opposite of loving all these people. If you don't stop loving them and start hating them, then you're not going to be able to follow me. I think it's more about, like you're saying, priorities. He's wondering, what are your priorities? And because a mere four chapters before this, he literally said, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so ending it here with, if you don't even hate life itself, i.e. yourself, then you can't be my disciple. Well, he just said, love yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. So he also said, love your enemies and those who hate you. So it's like there's, there is m- something more complicated going on than just like utterly despising your family. <laughs> you Thank <know>? goodness. Because <laughs> that's that doesn't make any sense. That's mm-hmm. just like doing the thing that we just talked about not doing, mm-hmm. which is like going into this radical work of the kingdom of heaven hate, hatefully, <laughs> you know, and like resentfully. That's actually going to do the opposite of what you want. I think really like this word probably could be better translated. It's probably better understood as like this, this wondering about what, about loving something more or less than another thing, you know? And I think actually when, when you were talking about, cause we did, we were talking about how it's like such a painful idea that like our children would hate us. But I think it's not such a, it's actually, I think a goal that our, our kids will love something more than us, you know? Like, why would I want, why would I want George or Fritz their whole life to love me more than anything else in the world? That's really self-centered, I think, of me, you know? And I think we want, I think our kids will want the same thing for us. Like, if, like, how annoying is it when you are the only thing your parent loves? Mm -hmm. Like, if they have no other thing that they're doing, like, what is their life if it's just this one thing, you know? And, and so, again, that's not saying don't love. It's asking, like, what is the core of who we are and what our vocation is? And not that someone's core vocation can't be being a parent. I think that's true for a lot of people. But Jesus is like, it's really about, like, how you go, how you go about doing that thing. It's the paradigm through which you do whatever you do, you know. And so he's saying, like, it's not that you, it's not that you have to hate all these things, but it's wondering what is going to be your number one identity what's the essence of who you are and he's i think saying yes you can be a child and a brother and a sister and a father and a person a self but like what's the number one identity of all those and he's saying the the, if the if the soul like if the core identity of who you are isn't disciple Mm -hmm. then all these other things aren't going to be aligned and it's not going to work for you. 
because without them being in their proper order, you know, with your 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 priorities are going to be all out of alignment and then you're going to hurt people and yourself in the end. And so I think it's so much more about like standing on that kind of foundational identity of disciple, whatever that means to 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 someone. For me it means like I I am a father and a husband and a parent and a brother and a child. F- from that standing on that identity first. And that informs how I, all of those relationships and how I relate to everyone. Mm-hmm. So that informs all of the subsequent identities, you know, that I have in my life. And so instead of the other way around. And so like, and I think then it does, it can cause like strain in relationships. But it's like Jesus is saying, the most important thing is this discipleship thing. The most important thing is following me but to what end it's following me to create and bring about this kingdom of heaven and if if seeking like just a couple chapters earlier if like our number one goal is seeking first the kingdom of god then all those relationships and identities fall into alignment and into place you know Mm -hmm. and like then we are creating a world in which all the things like have equal standing and we are you know we're like we we are building something greater than the sum of these parts of our identity. You know, we're like we are building some beloved community that's more that allows people to be more than just what we've the identity that like they think they have to be in or something like that. So I don't know. I think it's more. I think it's that because like if you read if you're reading this in the context of the whole gospel, like Jesus uses Jesus talks about loving so many things. <laughs> you know. So like this, I don't know if love and hate to him are opposites. Mm-hmm. I think they're more and they're in a different kind of relationship and orientation to one another. So we need to read this like that. Then like how we kind of think about love and hate as like opposite things. Um, so anyway. Well, and I love that idea of really being grounded in your true identity. Because I do think that there is always the opportunity to get confused about it. At least for me. Yeah. Um, and that if you do the real true and honest soul searching of like who you are at your core and then all of the other things, your roots, right? Like where do your roots go? Where do all those nutrients come mm-hmm. from? Mm-hmm. And if you realize that that, that is your discipleship, um, that then what grows from it, then how you approach being a mother, a sister, a child, um, a colleague, all of those things is really healthy and there might be even new growth that mm-hmm. comes from those. And when we get confused about that, when we get things maybe out of the correct order of priorities is when we start to see challenges in those areas. Mm-hmm. And so maybe all of this harsh, what feels like harsh language from Jesus is a needed reality check mm-hmm. of where you stand in your priorities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's also important to say that, like, to, to me, to to be a disciple uh, is not just about, is not first and foremost and solely about believing ideological statements about Jesus. But, like, all of these examples are about action. Commitment like, it, to the one. It is, like, for mm-hmm. real, like, doing the things that Jesus did, embodying that reality. That's what following means. It's not just believing in, but, like, believing Jesus. And so... And so, yeah, if like that is the that is like the the foundation from which you act, 
from which we act, I think then we are like acting in all these relationships in a right and just and, you know, compassionate and joyful and gentle way. And I think that really is loving, you know, when we can, when we can, when we can come at things from that stance. So, all right. So that was our two points for this week. Uh, number one was a Charlotte's and it was about getting ready, preparing and that, that honesty when we set forth on this journey of like, are we willing to do the things that Jesus is asking of us and recognizing that when our priorities aren't aligned, it can lead to destructive ends. And that kind of led into mine, which was about thinking about this word hate and really wondering if Jesus is really talking about like asking us to be aware of what our core identity is going to be as we move into all these these other identities that we have, these relationships that we have, and to do the work of discipleship uh, first and foremost in everything we do. So having heard that discussion, we'd love to hear what your third point would have been for this week if you'd been on the podcast with us. We'd also love to hear any of your questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion and reflection. You can get in contact with us and all the ways of, of uh, getting in touch with us are listed in the description for the podcast. You can just scroll down and check those out. There's lots of links to click. And we will be back next week for Proper 19 on September 11th. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye everybody. everybody.